Welcome to All About HR. I'm your host, Tom Horn, and I'm on a journey to learn about all things HR. I'm documenting my conversations with thought leaders, HR professionals, and real employees about everything from recruiting, workplace of the future, benefits, you name it. We're all about HR. Let's go. Welcome back to All About HR. We are coming to you today from Las Vegas, Nevada, our first road trip. We're here at the HR Tech Conference 2021. I have the distinct pleasure of sitting down with Jessica Miller-Merrill. She is the founder of Workology, a digital resource that reaches more than half a million HR and workplace leaders each month. Jessica lives in Austin, Texas with her husband, daughter, and assortment of furry family members. She's co-owner of DuoWorks and also based co-working and shared office space and could not be more delighted to be sitting down with Jessica today. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you. I'm really excited. Obviously, I love podcasting and Las Vegas, so it's like all my favorite things all in one. Yeah, this is, uh, this is feeling pretty special. We're sitting here in the, the main hall looking at, a, looking at a big, giant, empty room, so our audience is uh, of zero right now. We're looking forward to hopefully having you listen into this podcast. Jessica, we're going to start it out. My first question to everybody is, what are you listening to right now? I am I'm listening to for music. I am trying to stay cool and relevant because I have a 12-year-old. So I'm listening to like the top 100 on my Pandora, number one. So she's always flabbergasted when I know a song that she knows. It's normally right. like something from the 90s that she thinks is cool or maybe something from the 2000s. But I'm doing uh, the top 100 on Pandora. And then uh, as far as like, I love audiobooks. And I am uh, reading Jay Shetty's uh, Think Like a Monk right now. And it's, it's pretty darn good. I'm loving it. That's great. I'll check that one out. I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that book. This is part of why I do this. Every time I'm learning something cool to go check out. So I know you've got a deep history with the conference. How how long has this conference been going, and how long have you been coming to this conference? I think, and uh, we should we should check our sources. This is unverified, but I think the conference has been around for like 18 years. I have been going, I believe, for an 11, and it's really just a great place. To, to learn about technology, new things that are happening in HR, connect with a lot of really smart people, and just see what's new and interesting in the space and what the trends are. I feel like every year there's a new trend. For a while it was AI. I don't know what the trend here is yet. I haven't uncovered that, but uh, it's it'll come maybe this afternoon or this evening or maybe 2 a.m. You know, yeah, right. tomorrow morning <laughs> who knows but it'll uh it's, it's a good conference it's uh much smaller than previous years obviously for for obvious reasons but it's great to see so many great people with i haven't connected to and seen in person for two years or more wow yeah it's great uh this is my first and i've been out in the social space here in the hr community for a long time and I'm actually sitting down and meeting and looking people in the eye and getting to introduce myself for the first time. And it's, it's, it's been an awesome experience so far. I love it. You can just randomly connect with anybody. Like uh, I was looking for the keynote, the opening keynote with Abby and this other guy was also equally lost. Uh, we never found the keynote and we decided to quit looking and go get cocktails. So <laughs> I met Steven. He's awesome. And it was a great one and a half hour conversation that we had before the expo hall opened. And then we got our drink on even more and uh, be a lot of old friends. So rumor has it that you have uh, you have some knowledge, or you used to curate some sort of uh, party list. Is uh, tell me more about that. 
I actually have curated the party lists for SHRM annual conference. Most people that are, are HR uh, folks probably know me from that. But I also do the, have done the HR technology conference in the past too. And, and really, uh, it was because I didn't know where things are and I was trying to put together my list. So I just decided to publish it on my blog, which people really liked. I mean, during SHRM, we would have over 50,000 page views of just wow. the party list. And then I added like an email that you can get. And then we got like text message alerts. It was, it's been super fun, but I just didn't feel like it was right to cultivate and curate the party list uh, this year at, at the HR tech conference or at SHRM. So we'll see what I want to do next year. I could really have used that tonight, last night, but I'll, uh, I'll make do, I think. Yeah, there's a few uh, things happening. I got invited to something for Wednesday that there's a limo picking us up, which always makes it super fun. But the nice thing about this space is you just follow the group or meet one person, and then they take you with them. So. Yep, we went to the happy hour last night with uh, Eightfold AI, mm -hmm. awesome team. They threw a great, uh, great happy hour event. I just, I had a blast. And you're right, I didn't do any thinking. I just followed, followed the group, met all kinds of wonderful people. And yeah, it's, it's, you just got to jump into the current, go with the flow with these things. You do. And I feel like my tip for folks who maybe are interested in going to the HR Tech Conference next year, or really any conference, is Open Table is your friend. That's my favorite app. Super easy to book. Like uh, we went to Eightfold and then it was kind of like, hey, I'm going to go to dinner with some people I haven't seen in a while. And uh, easy to book. You get a restaurant. You don't have to wait around. It, it's, my, it's my secret sauce for lunch here, too. Ooh, like, even for lunch, that's, yes, a good, just, that's a good Just tip. book Border Grill every day from a, like 12.30 to, to 2 and then pick a table of six people. Uh, they don't get mad if you do it. I've never gotten in trouble anyway. And you just keep inviting people. And then they all divide up the check or somebody's nice and they pick up the check for everybody. That is good yeah, networking. Get a, get a vendor. <laughs> get a vendor to come. They'll put it on their P-card for you. Look for those red badges. Yes. But it's funny because officially I'm a vendor, but we don't have a booth um, and because we don't have a booth, I don't have the red strip on my pass. So all the vendors, they see me because there's, there's Fresh not. Fresh <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting jumped uh, everywhere. And, and honestly, I let people pitch. Uh, I'd let them know, you know, for respect of their time. But part of the reason I'm here is to meet people and to find out what other people are talking about, what HR professionals, what they're hearing, like what tools are out there, um, what's really catching fire, what's really what's new and innovative. So I actually, even as a vendor, I have no problem talking to other vendors, especially because I've been on the other side working those booths for five or six uh, or 10 or I don't know what your companies are doing, uh, hours at those things. So try to be as supportive as I can. I think it's good vibes for the uh, for the conference. I, I think so too. And sometimes you just need one person in your booth to break the ice and then everybody else comes running. I, have you ever seen the video? It's called The First Follower. No. Google this video. Google it now. It's, it's requirement or like bylaw. It's a video of this guy and he's like at a some sort of outdoor concert and he's just tearing it up, dancing like a crazy person. And he looks like a crazy person and he's just in it. And then it's all about leadership. And that's what the uh, the person talking about the, the first follower, like he's the audio, I guess, for, for the video. And all of a sudden this other guy starts dancing. He's the first follower. And so they're crazily dancing. Everybody's looking at him. And then all of a sudden, like the momentum builds, the first follow, now there's the second follower. And then everybody comes running. And I feel like that's what community is all about. And Absolutely. in sales, like sometimes it just takes one person to kind of get everybody. They went, oh, what's going on over here? 
and then they all come run it. So when you come to somebody's booth and have a conversation, you're, I feel like it's helpful in, in that way. 100%. I, I come out of the restaurant space, and that's the, no one wants to go to the empty restaurant. You can have the best food. If it's the empty restaurant, you got to get those first tables, and you see them up front by the window, and then you kind of build up from there, and all of a sudden, you're getting more and more food people coming in and off the street. But I've got that video up. Uh, for anybody out there listening, just Google first follower. That's it. And it's, uh, it's a pretty cool v- video I've been watching as, uh, as we go. I'll put a link to that on the, on the page of this podcast uh, as well to simplify that for everybody. Yeah, watch it. It's, it's, you can use it. It has so many HR and leadership applications. You can do this at your next manager meeting when they're talking about why aren't people applying for jobs. Oh, because we need some momentum. Like, look at this video. Or, you know, why isn't this implementation happening? Well, we need somebody to get up and dance real crazy. And then somebody else needs to dance crazy with them before they all come running. And the change process, uh, you know, freezes, refreezes, unfreezes. We go through the whole cycle. Speaking of cycle, I, I was thinking as we're talking here, one of the things I have heard is skills. Skills is a big conversation, obviously, but I've heard that repeatedly uh, in, in my sessions today. Building skills, capturing skills, um, helping develop skills. I know on Workology, you've got a lot of skill building. You've got a lot of courses. Um, would you mind just digging, talking a little bit about Workology first, and then maybe kind of rolling into some of this skills conversation? We can kind of uh, uh, roll that into sure. this HR tech conversation. Well, just kind of a little background about me is um, I'm an HR practitioner who started a blog in 2005. And and I was writing about job search strategies, and I was doing that to build a funnel of candidates because I was trying to hire for salespeople. And what kept happening is in my department or division, they would just say, hey, you need to hire 350 people. You need to do it today, right now. And um, so I thought, okay, the best way to do that is to start to build relationships online, and then I can start to build a bench. So we would already have pre-qualified people ready to go. So when somebody said, hey, a new headcount's three plus 350, my team would just get out their handy-dandy spreadsheet and start calling and executing offers, just like I did in retail HR uh, when I was hiring for seasonal staff. So my blog was anonymous. It was not it didn't mention the company, uh, but the company that I worked for, which was a Fortune uh, 200 company at the time, Office Max did not like it, Uh-oh. and I lost my job <laughs> because of my blog. Uh, I did an EEOC investigation, and and that well, there was a charge that came through, and I had done the investigation. The lawyer came in, and he's like, "Is there anything else I should know about you?" And I was like, well, I have a blog that everybody knows. Well, he didn't, and he didn't like it. So um, I got what is called deuced. That means fired because of your blog by a, a woman whose name, one of the original bloggers, her name was Deuce. Like that was her blog. So that, that's an actual term yes, that's used. Like deuced is yeah. a technical term for getting dumped because of your blog. Yes, you got fired for your blog. And so I got fired, got deuced. That was when I f- officially started my consulting sh- business 100%. That was the announcement on the day. And I decided that I was going to use this opportunity uh, to educate people like my boss on the benefits of technology, social media resources. And so that has really fueled my passion for providing information, training and development for HR and workplace leaders, because I wanted to help people like my boss, who didn't know what the hell they were doing. Can I say hell on this podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you cool. Can. 
Say whatever you want um, on this podcast. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it. Almost. I'll keep it PG-13. How about there we that? go. So, yeah, so I, I set out and I focused on digital because I was working at home and, and I had an online business. And so we really focused on webinars, resources, training, blogs, all the things. And um, we focus in two areas for personal and professional development for HR. We have HR certification prep resources that we provide for Sherman HRCI. We have a number of online courses available. And then I also uh, help with personal and professional development for HR. So we have a lot of on-demand resources, membership. They get access to a community. It's called Upskill HR, focused on skill development. That's great. Things are shifting so quickly. Now we're all remote or hybrid or whatever, and and who knows what's going to happen next. So I think everybody should use this time to reassess their own skill level and where there's some gaps and where they could become a better fit for their organization or whatever their personal goal is or professional goal is. Like, what are the things that I need to move on to the next? And I think companies are thinking about this because if you're hiring in the STEM field, there are not enough people to fill these roles, so we have to get creative. And that is through skill building, apprenticeship programs, a lot of really interesting and new things. Um, and as a side, and this isn't related to HR tech specifically, but SHRM Foundation has an HR apprenticeship program that they've just launched. They, oh, wow. Yeah, they launched it earlier this year, and I talked on my podcast uh, to uh, Mary with the Sherm Foundation, she runs the HR apprenticeship program. And so they're even thinking about how to build in experiences for people in HR to go through like an 18 to 24 month program where they learn and it's paid. And then when they complete that apprenticeship, they get their HR certification and then they can step into a role with two years of experience and a cert, which is, I think, a pretty awesome. Wow. That, yeah, that's that's great. Not only getting the skills, but also having a, a certification. What What's the process? Do you just reach out? Does SHRM, does HRCI, do, do they validate? Do they validate so, your course or what's that look Sherm, like? SHRM has an official, are, are we, we're talking about the apprenticeship program? Yeah. Yeah. So SHRM has, if you go to the SHRM Foundation, um, and you can email me directly if you want to be connected because they're really just starting this. So it like the first, I think, 200 people they're looking for right now to go through this. So um, ideally, you should have an employer or a business or somebody, uh, a business will say like, hey, I want to hire an HR person, but I want to have an apprenticeship program. So there's some opportunities there. They will, that person is paid during the course of their 18 months to two years, and they have different milestones and activities and things that they need to learn at different levels uh, before they complete their apprenticeship program. So just like a welder or a plumber, they have different right. classes, experiences. It's, it's the same sort of thing. Uh, the Department of Labor is really focused in this area. I am, have, over the years, done a lot of work with the Department of Labor. And um, with the Trump administration, and Biden has continued this, is a focus on apprenticeship and skill building. So I think the reason we're seeing this here at HR Tech is because and I can't believe the government was first before HR yeah, that, technology that is, is normally not. I mean, we're seeing that now. I mean, we do need to try to help. We want to keep our people. It's hard as heck to hire them. And so we just need to work with them and figure out what they need, they want out of their job and then how we can work together. And that's through personal professional development. But I don't think that every job seeker has to wait for the employer to figure that out. And I would encourage you as an HR person to diversify your skills and um, look outside of different areas. Uh, for example, I would encourage you to look at uh, project management. 
not getting a certification necessarily, but becoming familiar with different things like change management, project management, business acumen, taking a look at your, the P&Ls and getting really solid in those things. Those are skills that a lot of us in HR don't have. Could be a real differentiator yeah, that's for smart. you. So with, with the in HR specifically, what do you see as the most common gap uh, for people in this space as far as skills? Um, or it, can you correlate that directly to a course uh, that you see people taking? Um, I So this is more like just my personal impression and, and opinion here is uh, business acumen is big. Uh, I wish that every HR person had to not only get certified with an HR certifying body, but also actually take a business certification, you know, go through some skills because I think that's one of the biggest reasons why HR people ha- don't have that credibility with the executive team because they don't have a common language or conversation that they can talk about. I know that HR is the secret superhero of the business, but it's sometimes because we don't have that business acumen, we can't directly communicate to the executive team the impact that this program or what we do has on the business. So that would be number one, I think the first and most important thing. Number two is getting familiar with agile or PMP, project management, something, because so much of what we do is project-based work. There's always a new implementation. There's always a new um, annual benefits re-enrollment. Like if we approach these with a project management mindset or a launch strategy, they can go so much better. That makes, yeah, I mean, that makes a ton of sense because, and the conversation now is HR administrative, that's in the past. Now it's becoming more seat at the table, more leadership, um, and having some of those business skills and that business focus, speaking that language is how you're going to help, uh, is one of the ways to help start building uh, building that bridge. But if we can correlate an activity that we're doing in HR directly to how it financially impacts the business, good or bad, we and we can explain that to the executive team, we are... I mean, we, we are the keeper of the people. This is the most important asset that the business has. And if we can say, like, a program that we did is going to increase revenue by, you know, $175,000 in Q1, well, suddenly now we're a revenue center, not a cost center. Yes. And then that allows us to really be able to build the relationships with the leadership team and talk about different initiatives and programs that that you think as the expert of the people could make these revenue numbers higher or margins larger. And that's, that's powerful. And it moves us from that administrative people business to that strategic leader. There's this um, chart that I really like, and, and I have it over on, on uh, Workology. It's a chart by Paul Kearns. And if I have a post on HR business partners that um, I think has this chart, but I'll, I'll send it to you. So yeah, we send it to me to and it. we can put it on the show Yeah, notes. But it talks about the evolution of the HR person. And it talks about going from administrative to like strategic HR. And there's really like four quadrants. And so it's okay if you are you know, filling out I-9 paperwork and building files and, you know, administrating orientation. We have all been there. Like, that was a huge part of my job. But HR has evolved from that point for me, now 20 years in human resources, 
that now I know, it's not just I know in my gut this is happening, like something's wrong or recruiting is, is this way. Now I have data and information and then we have more information and data from the business side that we can tie it all together and really... Uh, instead of just, you know, the guys go golfing on the executive team and their friends and they come up with this plan, they don't have any data to support that. Well, things have changed. They, you yes. need to have the data to be able to support that. And so now I can be in the conversation. I can go golfing with the guys too. But I can be like, hey, this is what the numbers say. This is what I expect, I expect to be able to increase our revenue. They're going to say yes to a $30,000 pro project that you're expecting to give them, you know, Five hundred thousand uh, dollars in in sales over maybe the three year time frame or something. I mean, they're crazy not to. Yeah, and that's well, that's the secret sauce to everybody here at HR Tech seeing really cool stuff. Going, how do I get my company to pay for this? You got to build that. The you got to build case. that use case, yeah. that business case, and it's got to be data driven. All right, we're going to jump back in. I'm going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. This has been awesome. All right, it is time for the HR Hot Sauce with Jessica. Jessica, are you ready? I'm ready. What is the best job you've ever had? Being an entrepreneur, the job I have now. That is a pretty sweet job. What's the one phrase at work that drives you nuts? I don't like the word synergies. It just makes me want to throw up in my mouth <laughs> a little bit when I say synergies. That's a new one, but I think I don't like it now, too. Do you like working on rainy or sunny days? Ooh. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I like to, when I'm working at home, I like to look outside and I have my office uh, desk right by the window. So sunny because then I can see all my neighbors walk in, their dogs and their kids. Beautiful. How can someone make your day at work? Maybe by saying that they are enjoying what I'm doing. They like what I'm doing. A lot of times being a podcaster, speaker, just online like influencer. You don't get a lot of feedback and that's always good. I get a lot of stuff, but it's not like, hey, this was really impactful. So if you listen to a podcast or watch a webinar, let the speaker know, like reach out to them and let them know that you liked what they had to say. Awesome. What's your best useless skill? When you asked me this question first, I was like, what is my useless skill? And I have it for you. I am awesome at French braids, but not just like <laughs> French braids. Like I can do Dutch braids. I can do French braids with fishtails. Like I'm very good. I love it. That is, that's another first for us here. Mild, medium, hot, or nuclear? I'm a sissy, so mild. Favorite interview question to ask or be asked? I always like to ask when I was doing interviews and, and, and even still, but when I was doing a lot of high volume, I would ask them what is their favorite color and why. <laughs> Just to that. throw them off. I also used to ask if they're what their favorite, like what's one word that best describes them? And I had this one guy, he ended up hiring him for my paint department. I worked at Home Depot, but he actually didn't have an answer. And then he was driving home. He went home about 45 minutes later and he called me and told me that his word was gregarious. <laughs> After all that, you get gregarious. He was very thoughtful in his answer. Yeah, gregarious was his word. All right, my, uh, my color is aubergine, so I don't know what that means, but aubergine, that's okay. my color. I think it's different. It says that you're unique, and you didn't say, like, blue. Blue is a good color, but yeah, I try to take it different. All right, you're off the hot seat. Awesome. You're done. Thank Great you. job, Jessica. Back to the show. All right, we are back. 
really enjoyed the conversation, talking about upscaling, uh, talking about how to how HR can really be transformative and some of the skills and some of the ways you can approach the steps of transforming the HR of yesterday to the HR of the future, which is something, you know, I'm going to be talking to Jason Averbook uh, later this week, and they're talking about, you know, like, it's not HR of the future, it's the HR of now. It's the workplace of now. The future is now. Things are moving so fast and it's coming at us that we're literally living in our own future, whether we want to uh, or not. And it, it's a really cool concept that if, you know, instead of just waiting um, or where are we going to get to, it's gotten to us and we now have to react quickly in, in this time that we're in. It's a really, really unique time. So Jessica, what are some of what are some of the tips you can give to HR operators out there to really make that transition to not just looking forward, not looking backwards, but looking down at your feet and what you can do right now in this space? I think the first and most important thing is to stop and breathe and maybe pat yourself on the back a little bit. I don't go get yourself a pedicure and a Chardonnay first off because <laughs> you have worked your tush off and it's been a hard almost two years. And uh, I know that all of us have been doing so many other things that uh, our leadership team, and we're doing it on weekends, we're doing it on evenings. So first, take a minute for yourself. But if I'm thinking about HR of the future, I think the most important thing I need to do, number one, is get my data and my reporting and kind of all my benchmarking and stuff in order so I can understand what is happening. Um, and audit, if you will. It doesn't mean, I'm not talking about, you know, looking at all your I-9s. That's cool. We can do that. But this isn't I mean, this type of cool. HR. I mean, that, I mean, you can, I don't, it's not cool. No. <laughs> I don't want to go through all my paperwork and decide, you know, what, what goes where. That's the worst part of HR in my mind. I mean, I'm sure there's people that love that. We will probably get hate email about this. Like, I love that HR. Don't talk about it. I know a couple of those folks. It's okay. I love that you love it. And if you love it so much, come on over and I have some things for you to do for me. (laughs) Yes. But uh, if I'm thinking about, in order to think about where we want to go or what the future state or the current state of HR is going to be, I need to really take a look and sit down and understand what do I have at my disposal? And what are, is my budget? What is, how many applicants per requisition do I have? You know, whatever it is. Uh, and think about what are your most important pain points and the biggest fires that you need to find a process or system that can impact not just HR, but the business most positively. What, it, what is the most important priority that a problem that you can solve? And that's where I'd start for the future state. And, and I don't just mean your most important thing for the executive team. I want you to talk to the employees, too, because I think this is a huge opportunity for like a culture building and employee engagement opportunity where you, Absolutely. Could, you could say, hey, managers on the front line, like what is the most important thing? Uh, or what's something that's driving you crazy right now? And it could be something small, like maybe they're not, employees aren't able to update their own stuff in the employee service center. That could really be impactful because when they're trying to access their paycheck, it's a small thing for you and I, well, unless you're getting 45 emails a day from people who are yes. trying to access that information. You know, I want to know what my insurance group number is too. And I'm going to say my husband spent two weeks trying to get a hold of his HR looking for that sucker. I'm like, we just need our group number for our insurance lady. Like, Wow. Yeah. 
So anyway, pull your people, uh, rant over, pull your people, but figure out what the biggest priority is for the leadership team and then for the employees. But um, and then make some make some of these adjustments. It's not always implementing tech. I think tech is great, but oftentimes I found that it's really a process or a system or some sort of organization that needs to happen first before you can add the tech, because otherwise you're just throwing a bunch of tech on top of a problem and that doesn't really solve anything. So if you have a DEI problem, it doesn't matter what kinds of technology you throw at it. We need to understand the the, the problem itself and what's the process. Maybe the process is the problem. The tech can help yep. maybe automate or optimize. So Josh Burson said today, one of my favorite quotes from his keynote was, culture and feedback are more important than tech anyway. It's true. And that's really, you know, the, the tech's a tool to get you there. That's It's not it. If the culture sucks, but you have cool tech, the culture still sucks. It just means you have a, a culture with sucky tech or cool yes. tech or whatever. So the problem is still there. You still have a retention problem. You still have a training problem. You still have an engagement problem. And you're spending a lot of money on recruiting because, you know, hey, you might have the sweetest applicant tracking system ever with all the scheduling and all the tools, which I've never heard the word sweet applicant tracking system ever used <laughs> together in the history of HR, but you might have those things. But it, if your hiring process and your offer process isn't in line or your salaries aren't in line with the current market, it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter what we do. So you need to get those things. Get your house cleaned before you, you before you buy that robot vacuum. That's what Josh is saying. Yeah, that's. I'm 100% behind that. So I, I, I know when I was talking to you about coming on the podcast, I was like, it's a pretty casual conversation. I'm throwing pretty big questions at you. I got another one. So we'll keep that theme going. You know, there's a lot of conversation about women in the workforce, women in tech, women that have fallen out of the workforce. My wife is a VP of sales and I've actually taken the back seat, done more with the family to help push her career forward. And just as a as a note, her goal is to be a CRO and she thought it was audacious because she's uh, She's never met a female uh, a CRO before. And then uh, today I got to meet um, Mary Ann Abajay, CRO at SAP Success Factors. And it was just, it was just awesome to see and hear her insights. Uh, it's good to know there's a female CRO out there, but horrible that I, that's the first one I've ever met. So I guess coming around full circle to the question, where do you see, what do you see as most important right now in, in getting women back into the workplace, elevating them in the workplace, and, and getting towards equal pay? First off, I love that you are supportive of, of your partner. I'm very lucky in that I have, my husband has been incredibly supportive, and we have flexed in and out of, there are times when he took the lead, and then there's other times um, where, where I've taken the lead. And so we've transitioned back and forth. When my daughter was born, uh, the week before, two weeks before she was born, this is 2008, yeah, 2008, uh, she, my, my husband got laid off from his job. And so we suddenly went from two incomes to not just, not one income, but I was on you know maternity leave, so about 40% wow. of my income. So it was a scary time. And so I went back to work before my 12 weeks of leave because I was terrified out of my mind. 
And uh, he spent the first two years of my daughter's life probably changing more diapers than me. So um, I think that when you're in a partnership like that with somebody, it, it, is, it can be uh, really amazing. But it's not easy at all. It certainly helps. I, I feel like if the woman has a partner like that, it makes it a lot easier. But not every woman has that kind of partnership. Or you might be a single um, parent or you don't have a partner yet. I think that it's really important to have a great support system first. That's the most important thing. And I would encourage women to surround themselves with mentors and different kinds of people, people who you aspire to be in five years, 15 years, 25 years. I have a great mentor. I met her on Twitter. And uh, she turns out to be one of the most successful French entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley. She uh, became the CEO of an HR tech company and a co-founder, and that's how we connected. And she's no longer in the HR tech space, but we remain friends. And so much of what she has taught me and what we've talked about uh, has been helpful in, in my career, my trajectory, like, becoming a better entrepreneur and a business owner. So I think finding a good mentor as an individual is the place to start. If you're an organization, helping supporting women in that way. IBM has done a really interesting thing with some of their um, upskilling programs. We have a podcast interview where I talked to the CHRO of IBM and, and she kind of discussed a little bit more about the pink recession and what they're trying to do. But they're, they're allowing women to re-enter the workplace and get some additional training and skill building. And I think that if you have the opportunity uh, as an organization to do something like that, I absolutely think that you should. Um, and if, but if you are one person, you can just try to work harder to hire women in the workplace and then offer flexible scheduling. When I had my daughter, when I went back to work, I had the worst boss and he called my daughter, he didn't even call her her name, he called her the little burrito. It, it was just kind of a jerk. And um, he told me he was shocked that I even came back to work. He fully expected. He's like, women who have children, they they need to be at home. And this was the head of HR for an organization, right? So um, I think that if you are an individual, like, just be supportive and and offer resources for women, mentorship. uh, Think about different ways to be able to find people to help support you. And it could be like a neighborhood group that makes a casserole every week or hiring a housekeeper. Like if you can do those things, absolutely think you should be able to make time so you can focus your efforts. The other thing I would encourage organizations to do is to try to get involved in some a pay audit. Take a look at your, your numbers. What are you paying women versus men? Um, Salesforce recently did this, and they made some major, major salary changes. And I feel like they're one of the best places to work. They have a great corporate social responsibility program on all the lists. And they sat down and did a pay audit, found major inequities. And if Salesforce had to make changes, I guarantee our organizations are in need of major changes as well. So being okay with that and coming up with a plan and yes, it's going to cost you more money, but those individuals deserve to have fair pay and opportunities just like everyone else. Absolutely. I know my wife, uh, whenever she's taken her position has had to go back and go, nope, that offer is 
not acceptable. I was talking to my sister and then the they, other day. Oh, all this money. Oh, yeah. Oh, here's some more. Uh, it appears magically. If you, so if you're a female, you need to take a class in negotiation. And I'm not saying think like a man. Think like yourself. But another book that I would encourage you to read is um, Chris Voss. Oh, shoot. Now I'm going to forget his book. It's fantastic. It is a, he's a hostage negotiator, which sounds like it's going to oh, yeah. be really a nasty book, but it's fantastic. And I use it all the time in my negotiation. It's not a win-lose situation, which is what, like when somebody says, makes me a job offer, they tell me they're going to pay me, you know, $40,000 when I know somebody's making 75000 that's a man, my like natural reaction is to be angry and to negotiate very furiously. But there are some ways that you can come and use the negotiation through your language, through your words, through your actions, through your body language that can help both parties understand and come to an equitable um, agreement where they win and you win. And because that's really what you want. You want both parties to be like, okay, this works for me. Most women don't get to that point. They say, oh, this is the offer that you made. Okay, that sounds good. In my experience, I was just talking to my sister about this. I'm like, mm -hmm. read this book. This is how you play the game. If you're, if you're interviewing, you should be letting them know when the time is right that you're interviewing somewhere else because you can increase your salary $10,000, $15,000, $20,000 a year right now. Most women, I feel like, don't do that. That's a great insight. I, I have even... Um, I took a corporate job in my midst of entrepreneurialness for a couple of years, and uh, they wanted me to come out for the day and fly me out and have me do a consulting. Like, they wanted me to pick my brain, and I told them my rate. And I want more of us to tell those people our rate. They paid. I worked there. It was a good learning experience. It was a good corporate experience. It told me I am much better as an entrepreneur but I learned a lot. So I want to encourage all women to, if they're going to have you present, they're going to have you, pay, they're going to pick your brain. You need to say, here's my rate. If they pay, I feel like it's an organization that really respects and values your time and they understand your expertise. That is phenomenal, phenomenal advice. Uh, I, I, that's good advice for me. That's excellent. And we're going to have the best show notes ever. We'll get a link to that <laughs> uh, in our show notes as well. So, just to come back full circle, we're at HR Tech. Everybody here is so passionate about helping. Everyone's passionate about their products. Everyone's just, there's a lot of passion here. So I want to kind of end here with what are you most passionate about? What gets you going? What are you really passionate about right now? Personal development for HR. HR folks are always helping everyone else but themselves. So it's time for us Amen. to be a little selfish because it's not really being selfish. We are impacting the organization. We're upping our game, which ups the organization and helps us support them better. It's time for us to invest in us. And I don't mean going to a conference. That isn't always the best way to invest. What I mean is really thinking about what you want your career and the skills that you need and who your future per yourself is going to be in two years, five years, and 10 years, and then Work, come back to present day, but then build your plan from there. So I mentioned change management. I mentioned agile. I am always reading, taking a class, doing something. It doesn't have to be exactly in HR. It doesn't have to be all the HR certifications. It can be something that you're interested in or passionate about. 
it could be demoing 25 artificial intelligence HR technology. Suddenly you are the expert in your organization, whatever it is. For me right now, I'm getting my master's on NLP certification, neuro-linguistic programming certification. It's a seven-month program, and I love it. And it is not HR-related at all. But it's about people. It's about improving yourself and personal and professional development and having more self-awareness because we all could use a little bit more of that, I feel like. So that's what I'm passionate about. And that's why I get up every day. I podcast, I write, I blog, I speak, I go live. Is because HR people need to hear this. They need to start focusing on themselves and what they want that can support themselves as well as the organization that they're working at. 100%. I call that the airplane mask rule. I remember as a kid, it's put, why has mom put the mask on her first? I was like, I'm the kid. Like, shouldn't she put it on me? It's like, no, you can't help anybody if you don't take care of yourself but, but first. But we don't. We haven't. I mean, even like this, the last two years are an example. Like, we have been, you know, we're just trying to survive. But if we don't up level ourselves, we are. It's a detriment, not just to us, but to the organization, because everything is changing so quickly. So if you aren't, if you don't even know what AI is, if you aren't familiar what upskilling is, or a lot of these new technologies, just get, come to the conference, read a book, sign up and tell some salespeople you want some demos. Like, it's 30 minutes, you're going to learn a lot. And yes, you might end up on their email list, and that's okay. But hey, you are going to become the functional expert on this topic in your organization, and it's going to, it's going to help you your entire career, your entire career. And that's what we need more of, big that, picture thinking. That's awesome. And that's what I'm doing here. I'm learning all about HR. Jessica, it was a pleasure having you on. Hopefully, we'll, uh, we'll do this again sometime down the road. I can't wait to uh, check out your podcast. How many episodes are you at? I was looking. It, it looks pretty deep catalog here. 318, I think. Uh, I mean, we've recorded more. I'm, I'm all, almost all finished for the entire year with our recording. So wow. uh, I, I am a planner. And, uh, but yeah, I've been doing this seven years. So it's a, it's a labor of love. Like I have to be either insane or just so passionate about it uh, and obsessed that I guess it's all the same. But yes, I love the space. I'm like you, really just, I love learning. I want to learn from other people uh, and just soak it all up so I can share it with, with, with the greatest hits with others. That's it. Let's go share a drink at the bar. Absolutely. All right, we're going to put a bow on this. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening. Thank you to our sponsor, People Element. And we'll see you next time as we're learning all about HR. Understand, engage, inspire, and retain your people like never before. People Element's employee experience and engagement solution delivers powerful intelligence, giving you the confidence to act. To learn how you can gain a better understanding of your employees, please visit us at peopleelement.com.